Boys and girls, welcome to the Across the Board podcast. I am your host, John Kaufman. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cleveland Spider. That's Spider with a Y, S P Y D R. And with me, as always, is my co host, Chandler Adams. You can find him on Twitter uh, at Chandler Adams. He's got two S's at the end. Uh, Chandler, welcome, man. How you how you doing? How's uh, every, how's everything going? Uh, I'm doing about as good as you you can during the quarantine. Um, sure. Browns are two and one, which really just still hasn't like hit me yet. Um, yep. I don't know. I'm also really tired of giving. I'm really annoyed by myself that I just said as good as you can during quarantine. I'm so tired of giving that damn answer. Like I'm doing good. I don't. I I'm so tired of. It that well, answer i don't know I why mean, i gave it it's still i know but i you know from a re- repetitive standpoint i get you like we keep saying you know the same things but <laughs> it is still you know going on that's actually something that's pretty valuable to keep in mind you know i yeah. i tend to kind of lose focus on that or especially during the summer it was i almost went into i parked at uh walgreens the other day and i got out of the car and i started walking in and i'm like oh my where's my mask i'm like what are you doing like you can't yeah. you have to still or wear if a I mask take- so. I took my dad's car somewhere the other day and couldn't find my mask. I was like, so what do I do? So I walked around with my shirt and my sweatshirt over my mouth and nose. So I was walking around with my belly button sticking out at Walmart. I'm like, I fit in perfectly here. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. Nobody would notice there for sure. No. That's that's the place to do it. My ass crack wasn't hanging out, so I was good. Ah, Like half the people in there. So whoever's playing Walmart bingo following you around. (laughs) That's that's frustrating for them. Definitely. So. But yeah, so um, obviously we are here with our week four best bets and DFS uh, advice. So um, we uh, will recap uh, week three, obviously, uh, with our best bets, um, give you our plays for week four. And then we uh, we built. So we in the past had been building a lineup each for uh, on FanDuel. And this time what we're going to do. Uh, we did this last week. We found that once we compared notes, we basically had the same lineup anyways. Um, so we're, we just built one lineup again this week. We kind of came up with a consensus lineup that we both like. Um, so it just made more sense as opposed to building two lineups and having like maybe two plays that were kind of different. So um, the first couple weeks is pretty, you know, pretty wild variations, you know, players that we liked, but we're starting to kind of hone in on uh, the same kind of players and, and the same stacks. So just makes more sense to do one consensus lineup. So we'll probably do that from now on. Um, but uh, yeah, so to, either way, we will definitely, you know, touch on some other plays, things we like and don't like uh, as far as the lineup goes. So, you know, you'll, we'll try to cover as many players as we can, obviously. So, but um, yeah, so uh, real quick, before we get into all that stuff, we're going to take care of the uh, sponsors, make you guys aware of who is sponsoring the show. We have two, like always. Uh, the first one is Bovada. Um, you can get a uh, ten. I'm sorry, a 50% deposit uh, bonus with Bovada when you use our code, uh, which is, the link will be in the description, and you can find it on our website as well, which is atbsports.net. Uh, so if you deposit money with Bovada and use our code, they'll give you a 50% bonus. So get just free money to uh, use to bet on sports. Uh, that's fantastic. And the other sponsor is the Hawaii Coffee Company. Uh, which again, with our code, you can use uh, the uh, the code, which link is in the description and our on excuse me and on our website as well, and you get a ten uh, percent discount on your order. Uh, fantastic coffee, so definitely take advantage of both of those. So, okay, um, now that that's out of the way, let's take a look back real fast, recap week three. 
Um, so you finally had your first uh, under 500 week uh, by the yes. slimmest of margins for sure. So um, I last hate the term. I should have done this or they should have done this. But my God, was I close to going at least two and one? Well, uh, think and it's even grosser. Think about it this way. So you were two, two real points, two actual NFL points away from three and oh. Like that's that's how close it was, right? So you had Tennessee minus two and a half, and they co- they didn't cover, but they ended up winning that game with the late field goal, obviously. So so they beat Minnesota, but they don't cover. But they you know they won by what did they win by a point? I mean yep. it was you know right there. So it's just unreal. And then um, oh so you were a point and a half away. Like that's how close, unbelievable. And then your other loss was the over in the Kansas City Baltimore Monday Night Football game. So you had fifty four and a half as the as the over, and the game ended thirty four twenty, which is fifty four. So you missed it by a half point, which is just ridiculous. So um, especially the way the first half was going, I mean that game looked like it was going to hit you know seventy points for easily in the first uh, the kind of the way that game started out, but. Eh, you know, a couple of things happened in the second half, but anyways, you were really close. So I don't, you know, nothing to hang your head about, obviously, like it's just, it, the margins are razor thin when it comes to, you know, gambling. So it's just, just didn't go that way. Uh, you did have green Bay plus three at new Orleans. And of course they won the game outright. So that was a great job there, obviously recognizing, um, green Bay. I, uh, yeah, I, I missed on new Orleans. Uh, I just thought, you know, well, they're going to bounce back and they're one of the best teams in the NFC and Green Bay. You know, we expected them to regress. They really hadn't beaten anyone. They beat, you know, Minnesota and Detroit who, you know, with Detroit without half their secondary. So it now just hold didn't... on a damn minute. I mm-hmm. said before the season, I said in the week one podcast that I'd like Green Bay to win the NFC North. Oh, no, no. Right. You did. I'm you meant this... regress to week to week. Okay. Not no, not only for the season, like they were 13 and three last year and they won. They were eight and one in one score games. And Shh, don't give me stats. I, I test all I test. No numbers necessary. That's how that's I something do something that regresses back to the mean, uh, you know, year in and year out. Like you if you're really good at, at uh, you know, one score games, it just doesn't it's not it's luck based. Right. It's not anything that you can quantify and say, oh, yeah. they're doing this. And so. So this is me. I thought they would regress. You know, you correctly identified that they're a legitimate offense um, and Rodgers is playing, you know, incredibly well. I mean, they don't have Devontae Adams last week, but it doesn't matter. Alan Lazard goes nuts against the Saints. Um, you know, course. they just well, look- I have Devontae Adams on my bench and Marquise Faldi and Scantling in the starting lineup. Same here. I had an MVS. Yeah, I just needed like 12 points from him to win a matchup. And I didn't. Of course, I didn't get it. He had one catch. Robert Tanyan looked good. The, the tight end for the Packers. Um, yeah, just oh, bad. Um, but, you know, anyways, good on you for recognizing that Green Bay is, you know, not uh, at least so far, you know, not a fluke. Right. They didn't just. Be yeah, they very well might not go 13 and three, but I think they are head and shoulders above anyone else in that division right now. Which doesn't I, say much. No, I, I think yeah, I would tend to agree. Uh, I do still. Obviously, like there are there are players on Detroit and the Vikings. Obviously, that, and we'll see with Nick Foles. I, yeah. I just don't think it withstands a whole season. But, yeah. um, if Devontae Adams can play, and now we see that Alan Lazard or Valdi Scantling can take games to be kind of that guy. So that Lazard's out, out and Aaron that? Jones right now. 
Did you see that? Lazard had surgery uh, like yesterday or something to fix. I can't even remember what it was, but I just caught it. I was like, oh, my gosh. So uh, so if you have Valdez-Scantling, hang on, because if, whether Adams plays or not. Oh, indefinitely after going yeah. core surgery. Oh, course, okay, that's good. What it was. Yep. So he has that explosion game, and then poor kid, he's just, you know, it gets, you know, uh, they got to do surgery on his abdomen or core, whatever it is. So unfortunate, but. But yeah, so if you've got MVS, you know, even though he had a stinker last week, uh, you know, Adams is, I think Adams is on track to play this week. We'll see. But, you know, moving he's forward. On, he's on track to play right now. Okay. But Good. Uh, same with Julio. Just throwing that out there for anybody that has Julio Jones. He practiced today, so he's on track to play as well. So, but yeah. So anyways, great job by you recognizing Green Bay. That's a, that's a, uh, that's a win for sure. And uh and teaching me, because like I said, I thought New Orleans would bounce back for sure. I thought uh, I and we'll get into some of the New Orleans stuff a little bit later on because it uh, directly uh, impacts one of my plays this week, one of my best bets. So I did some research on them to figure out what's what am I missing? Like, why am I so off on them? And I I think I came up with some really good stuff. So we'll get into that later um, for my week three. I was two and one. Um and like similar to you, my one loss was Atlanta minus three against Chicago, which they had a 16 point lead. And of course, they blew it again. So, you know, at the start of the fourth quarter, I thought, well, this is great. I got, you know, I'm going to get Atlanta minus three. Right. So but of course, Chicago comes back and wins that game uh, after benching Mitchell Trubisky. So Chicago, maybe the first team in NFL history to bench their starting quarterback uh, who is two and on the season. And then they improved to three and like there can't be many teams that started out two and zero and thought, you know what, we should probably change the quarterback. That's a problem. So, but it is obviously because they both they're both bad. We'll get into that as well a little bit later. Um, I had Detroit uh, plus three and a half in the first half at Arizona last week, uh, and they had a lead. So they I think it was seventeen thirteen at the half Detroit. So uh, that one cleared easily. And then my third play was a two team teaser, um, which was unreal because i had the rams plus eight and a half so at halftime they're down 28 to three and i'm like well this you know i'm thinking i'm going to win the falcons and lose this bet but it ended up being the exact opposite right the falcons lose outright and then the rams come storming back and really should have won that game because that pass interference call in the fourth quarter was just a, a joke i mean they they barely touched each other so that was terrible um and then the second play in the teaser was kansas city plus nine and a half at baltimore on monday night obviously they won outright so no, that was uh, that was an easy one too. So, but um, yeah, um, so two and one uh, for me on the week, and then overall records. So you are uh, six and three on the year. Uh, you got you went two and one in week one, three and zero, oh, and then one and two this past week. And I am five and four. So one in, I went one and two in week one, and then two and one in each of the past two weeks, uh, which means that we are collectively yeah, baby eleven and seven. I uh, love it. Uh, so, yeah. So if you're tailing us, uh, if you're, you know, the, the six games a week that you're betting are our plays, you are 11 and seven on the year and you are up money, which uh, that's and the goal. I would give this advice to you guys. And this is just how I do it. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you can tell from my background, I am a billionaire at the young yeah. age of 22. I like the way um, so, you keep it humble, though, in the back. That's nice. Like it makes yeah, you know, this you is, don't seem this like this couch right here was yeah. was free from my brother-in-law, and it was his college couch for like twenty years. So that's how good of a life I'm living. But oh man, my advice 
to you guys listening, if you use these bet, if you use these plays, use these bets. Using all six is, if you're especially if you're putting any sort of significant money down, that's it starts getting sketchy. Um, so what I do at least is, you know, I listen to people talk all week about best bets, and obviously I come up with things. But um, when it comes time on Sunday, especially injuries, new information comes out, there will be a lot of times where I'm like, oh, I actually now don't like my bet. I'm gonna put one of John's in. Like three is a Three is a pretty good number to sit at. You you get you're diversifying yourself enough with also not like putting six games on the line because the NFL is so bizarre. You can't. Yeah. I mean, a lot of things can happen. So that's a good point. I mean, if you are doing six, you'd still be positive right now. But um, and yeah, really, that's just kind of my take on it. No, that's good. And like to piggyback on that, like you you know, so we're recording on a Friday. Um, and, you know, we've got two days till, you know, NFL football. Uh, obviously, we had the Thursday night game last night. But I think, you know, the majority of recreational bettors, you know, they're placing bets on Sunday morning, right? That's typically when, you know, if you're at a casino in Vegas or whatever and you're going to go to the sports book, that's when they start taking in the most money. Um, the professional, so to speak, gamblers, the people that are, you know, do this for a living, they're probably placing way more bets on Tuesday. Uh, and really this, the lines come out Sunday night or Monday for the following week. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, Monday, Tuesday rolls around and they, they see the way, you know, what are the lines open at? And then they react to those. And that's why we see things mm -hmm. move obviously. Cause they'll take, you know, um, we don't, we didn't get this game, but, uh, you know, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, you know, things like that. Like there was d decent movement in that line. Um, the Minnesota Houston, that line, uh, the total opened up at like 54 and a half or 55 and that got that down a couple points already. So a lot of the professionals hammered that one. So, so really, um, you know, there's information available right away on Tuesday, but then, you know, we want to react to injury reports and other things like that. And what's, you know, who's going to play, who's not. So even making, like you said, making the calls as, as we do on a Friday, you know, we we're lacking two more days of information. So, yes, you know, you've got we're going to provide you guys with six plays every week, um, you know, take a look and see what they are. And then, you know, you wake up Sunday morning and it's time to place a bet. OK, well, John and Chandler said this, but, you know, uh, this person isn't playing. So maybe I'll just fade that play and go with the other, you know, pick five or four or whatever it is, you know, three that you really like. So um, I always struggle with that because I feel like I'm picking like the three games I decide to pick out of the six are the, like the three that we lose. Right. And then the other three win. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I don't know which ones mm -hmm. to. So I, I think that, you know, from, I know we've done this in the past and we'll continue to try to do this where um, we sort of give like a confidence rating. You know, we talk about, you know, this is my favorite play of the week or, you know, things like that. So, um, and that, you know, we've done that in the past and we'll continue to do that so that if you are just going to pick a few, you know, two to three or four games of ours, you know, you can kind of go with, well, they were the most confident about these, you know, two, three or four games. So we'll continue to try to provide you guys with that for sure. Um, OK, so uh, we recapped week three. Let's get into week four best bets. So uh, what do you got for uh, what's your first one, Chandler? What's uh, going to be your first bet bet for week four? Um, I'll go with the one I like the most, which is there you go. Just totally against this. This pick is totally against like, for lack of a better word, betting etiquette. 
this is not something you do when the line is two touchdowns. But Ravens <laughs> versus Redskins. Redskins don't have Chase Young. The Redskins, you saw last week, have no plan of attack on offense. They're putting Haskins out there with absolutely no real plan for him to succeed, being a young quarterback with no, you know, he doesn't have a legit running back. He has Terry McLaurin, you can argue, is a good receiver, but he's, it's not like uh, Baker had Jarvis Landry when he was a rookie. Like, it's a lot different in that aspect. Yeah. And then their pass defense is awful. And the Ravens played terrible on Monday. Like, you could argue that was one of the just grossest outings of Lamar and Ravens' tenure. For sure. Um, they're still fourth in points scored and third in points allowed. So that's how dominant they are Wow. while having a bad week. And I told John, my gut is the Ravens are going to put up 56 points and probably allow. I mean, and Calais Campbell is going to make life hell for Dwayne Haskins because Campbell is very good at disrupting the pocket and getting his arms up. You, if you're a Browns fan listening to this, you saw it week one. He, he's yep. always in the pocket. He's 6'8". He's getting his hands up. And Haskins is not mobile. He's just not a mobile guy. He struggled, and their offensive scheme is struggling to get him out of the pocket and get open, clean looks. Yep. He's getting out of the pocket because he's scrambling. Not, he's not a designed out of the pocket offense right now. So, I love this play. I think the Redskins suck. The Redskins yep. are bad. After week one, there's always the overreactions. Team. Oh sh! Oh <laughs> shit! How many times have I said six? Okay. Uh, so but the over/under was seven and a half, so you got two more. You're good. Don't worry about I'm it. I'm getting so. fined now. Um, <laughs> yes, but no the football the, team. Washington is very bad. Baltimore is prob. Baltimore is the best, most well put together football roster that I've seen in a long time of watching football. I mean, just from beginning to end, there is almost absolutely zero weakness on this team. Actually, they had two weaknesses going into the season: linebacker and getting to the quarterback without having to blitz. They just went out and traded a fifth-round pick for one of the best defensive ends we've seen in the 2010 <laughs> era and then got Patrick Queen. So they're doing all right on that end. Um, yep. Lamar's going to come out, probably have five or six touchdowns uh, combined, and I, I love this play. Yeah, smash spot for sure. I think uh, you're right. And, and good point to start it out with saying, you know, you're not like – we're not – dying to lay two touchdowns you know like Ever. in the nfl right like it's not you know that's not typically it's terrifying it's a good way to lose a lot of money is to bet on you know teams they have to cover 14 point basically other than the patriots like you know they teams just don't do this with regularity anything can happen backdoor touchdowns or you know whatever but but i totally agree with you having lost last week baltimore I mean, they, they're just, I feel bad for Washington. Like, they're going to get beat by 40, I think, in this game. So, I, I totally agree with you. If you have um, J.K. Dobbins, Mark Andrews, or even both of them, play them both. Play whoever yeah. you have, because they're going to get a lot of touches. Yeah, if they, Well, too. also, yeah. Lamar's going to get... I don't think they're going to shut Lamar off when the game's up. They might take him out eventually in the fourth, if it's that bad. Yeah. But uh, I don't think they're going to take the foot off the pedal they want. They want it, to beat their ass. It feels like Ingram and Dobbins will have a ton of carries. I totally agree with you. Yep. I'd say 40 combined probably. Yeah, easily. Yeah, 30, 35 combined. Yep, totally agree. So, okay, so Baltimore minus 13 and a half against Washington. Uh, my first best bet is uh, Detroit plus four and a half, and that's minus 110 juice uh, versus New Orleans. Uh, so they're at home versus the Saints. So, again, we talked about it earlier, you know, digging into what – 
is going on with the Saints? Why, you know, Michael Thomas injury, ob- that's obvious, and we know that, but um, but what's going on with New Orleans? So, you know, I thought, okay, well, maybe they're just limited on offense because of Thomas, and it's going to look different, and we and we kind of knew that, but uh, and Thomas is iffy to play again. So, I mean, that definitely changes their offense a little bit, but what I was shocked to find out, um, well, first of all, as far as their offense goes and drew Brees, So he is this year, he's targeting wide receivers on 40.9% of his passes. Um, and this comes from the, uh, late round podcast with JJ Zacharyson. So that's where, um, so he's targeting wide receivers on 40, 40.9% of his passes. That's the lowest since 2014. Uh, he is tied for last in deep ball rate. So he's throwing the ball at 15 plus air yards on only 8.7% of his passes. So they're not trying to, you know, go deep. And that has been somewhat of, um, we've seen that the last couple years, 2018, 2019, and now this year. So even with Thomas, like his, uh, average depth of target for breeze isn't very far. So they're not really testing the waters and throwing the ball down the field, which no. that's obviously a problem right now. Um, it plays into Kamara's strengths, obviously, because, you know, he's around the, you know, line of scrimmage typically. Um, so I don't think he's going to struggle, but if you become somewhat one dimensional because you're just not trying to throw the ball downfield, like that's, that's a pretty big problem yeah. um, for the saints offense. But what's really interesting is the saints defense. And this is what really shocked me. Um, and, you know, obviously Green Bay ate, the, ate them up, but Rodgers has been doing that, you know, all three games this year. So not really, you know, I, who knows when when or if he'll ever be stopped. I mean, I'm sure he'll have a stinker at some point, but man, is he really playing well. So um, this comes from Sharp, Sharp Football Stats. So New Orleans opponents have scored on 54.8% of the possessions versus the Saints which is the sixth highest rate in the NFL. So they're, they're getting scored on a lot. Um, uh-huh. Defensive pass interference league wide is up 22% this year versus last year. So while penalties uh, overall are down, the uh, DPI is up 22%. So it, that's the highest rate. Uh, this year's percentage is the highest rate we've seen since 2001. And oddly enough, the Saints defense is number one. So they've given up 183 yards in defensive pass interference penalties in three games. They have uh, they have two or more in every game this year. Um, the 183 yards they've given up is more than double the second place team. So Jacksonville is second in that category. And it's they've given up the Saints have given up more than double of what Jacksonville uh, has given up. And as far as defensive pass interference goes, so. Yeah, really, really interesting here. I know we knew the problems with New Orleans' offense. Um, Breeze not throwing the ball down the field, you know, that kind of stuff declining a little bit. But um, but their defense is a real problem. And that is really surprising because I thought that that would be the strength of the team. You know, it's kind of been it's been really good the last couple of years. But if this is the beginning of, of what's going to be maybe a, a league average at best to, you know, bottom 12 defense, like that's mm-hmm. going to be a real big problem. And so I love Detroit in this game. They're getting four and a half points, which is, I think, ridiculous at home. Um, I don't I mean, I don't think you could really make them a favorite because everyone would take New Orleans and right rightfully so, probably. But 
getting four and a half is just, you know, silly. Kenny Galladay's back. Stafford looked really good last week with the full complement of offense. They still struggle, um, you know, with any kind of running back consistency. I think we'll see a lot of Adrian Peterson this week. Uh, hopefully DeAndre Swift continues to play a little bit more confidence back after the unfortunate drop in week one. Um, but yeah, I just don't, I, I think, you know, the wrong team is favored here. I, I would suggest if you're going to bet this, that you also bet Detroit on the money line, just, just take them to straight out to win the game. Cause obviously you get more money that way. Um, but new Orleans, uh, Detroit plus four and a half, uh, is, is my favorite play of the week. I love this play. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's Drew Brees has just looked piss poor this week, this year, just piss poor. Yeah. And Detroit. Yeah. So I was just want to look this up. Detroit is minus two ten. I'm sorry. Uh, that's the Saints. Detroit is plus one eighty on the money line. So for every hundred you bet, you'd win one hundred and eighty back. So that's that's pretty nice. So you can take the you you can take the four and a half points you're getting. That's great. But, you know, if you're going to bet it, I would also suggest a little bit on the money line. So, um, OK, so number two best bet for you, Chandler. What do you got? Uh, I'll go ahead and go with the Cardinals. I'll save a fun one for last. Um, Cardinals versus the um, Car- Panthers. Good Lord. Too many damn animals in the NFL. <laughs> um, they're giving the Cardinals are minus three. Uh, the juice is one t- one ten. Places most places I'm seeing 110. Yep. So I actually don't really love the Cardinals as much as I thought I was going to this year. Uh, that I think they've really just played good enough to mm-hmm. win two games this year. Losing to the Lions last week was just something you can't a game you can't lose without Kenny Galladay. And no, he played but, last week. What well, does he have full strength? Yeah, he came back last. So we were unsure if he was going to play because he was still iffy at game time. But he ended up playing and he had a decent game. He God, got in the end zone. Thirty week four, game. isn't it? I know it's crazy. So, okay. Oh, we yeah. didn't record last week. That's why. No, correct. Right. We just did the article. Last Sorry week. about that. So I was All good. still last time we talked was week two. Good right. lord. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, Kyler Murray has looked amazing this year. I've. I keep I keep receipts, people. I tweeted Kyler Murray when he came when he got drafted. I said best quarterback prospect we've seen in a long time. Um, got roasted for that because he's small, so of course he can't be a good quarterback. You have to be a dinosaur and big to be a good quarterback. Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins are proving that. Um, <laughs> Kyler Murray's fantastic. DeAndre Hopkins is better than. It's like he's just he's just better than everyone. Like he just is better. He's so good at all aspects of the game. He blocks. He doesn't it. drop a pass. He's great teammate. Uh, the offense of the Cardinals is obviously not disappointing. Their offensive line is terrible, which everyone expected. So if you are disappointed by that, then I don't know what the hell you were looking at before. Mm-hmm. But the defense with the amount of weapons you have on that defense, I really wish they'd be performing a little bit better. I know that they have some black holes, but I mean they they do have very solid, very good players on this defense, but like Isaiah Simmons is not getting on the field. He's not getting on the field. Right. I saw a snap count the other week and I just couldn't believe it. Right. Um but and ever since the uh he was he was on um Raheem Mostert 
in week one when Mostert caught that short pass and took it 76 yards to the house. And really, since then, his snaps have declined a lot. So Uh maybe it's just a confidence thing. I don't know. But that seems to be an influential play, uh, at least to the, you know, Arizona coaching staff. Yeah. Yeah, I it's it's a confusing thing but obviously we don't know what's going on there um all i say all these shitty things about the cardinals but uh they're still head and heels above the panthers who don't have by far their best player like i mean it's not even close if i i just look at it as three points is like a this is a layup this is a breakaway layup he can how the hell are the Panthers going to score? If you're telling me Teddy Bridgewater and DJ Moore are going to be um, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, like that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. And I'll take I'll take Kingsbury in this matchup. So yep. I like the Cardinals. Actually, no, I love the Cardinals. I probably like this one better than the Ravens, but I trust the Ravens more at this point, even laying down two touchdowns. But this is this is a really weird. This is a really weird line. For a very terrible card this week. This one confuses me. It opened at three and a half. So it's come down. So people are betting. People took the Panthers at three and a half. So now it's this why you're seeing minus three, uh, you know, for Arizona, which is very surprising to me. Very surprising. Very weird. But I do like that play as well. I totally agree. In fact, uh, if we were doing four this week, uh, the Cardinals would have been my fourth play for sure. I kind of wanted to squeeze them in somehow, but just couldn't. But yeah, this is a great play for sure. Um, my second best bet is going to be, so it's Buffalo in the first half. Uh, it's minus one and a half. Um, there are some minus twos on the board, so it might be depending on where you get it, but um, I saw I see it at minus one and a half here, so we'll go with that. But uh, So Buffalo minus one and a half in the first half at Las Vegas. So um, very interestingly, last week, uh, towards the end of the one o'clock games when Buffalo was playing the Rams and the Rams obviously were down 28-3 at the half. And then they came back, uh, made it a game. Uh, the pass interference call changes the outcome, you know, Buffalo wins. So, but Mike Clay tweeted that the bills have been outscored 64 to 34 in the second half this season. So Buffalo, uh, in the second half in week one against the jets, they were outscored 17 to six. In week two against Miami, they were outscored 18 to 14. And in week three against the Rams, they were outscored 29 to 14. So I, I'm intrigued. I want to see how this plays out, obviously. I think that some of that is not is going to be noise. Um, they were up so much on the Rams that the Rams just had to throw it and try to, you know, come back. Um same thing with Miami. Buffalo had that game in hand and they just kind of, you know, were on cruise control and Miami was throwing and they got, you know, Fitzpatrick got them back in that game and ended up being a three point margin. But it never, you know, if you're watching that game, Buff- Buffalo was never, you know, not in control. So that felt really good the entire time. Um, same kind of similar thing with week one against the Jets. So I don't know that this is necessarily a thing that we're going to keep, you know, seeing uh, consistency wise. But I think there's some truth to the fact that Buffalo's defense maybe isn't quite as good as we thought it was going to be Um, Ed Oliver. Like, really, he really hasn't kind of blown up like we thought he would. He hasn't really shown, um, you know, for being such a kind of a high price name and a a higher draft pick. So so I'm curious. I I think Buffalo, um, 
you know, they, they're the better team versus the Raiders. Um, you know, quarterbacks playing obviously much better than, you know, Josh Allen versus Derek Carr. Um, Zach Moss is healthy and going to play. So at least it gives them options, you know, Singletary and him. Um, and then Diggs. Diggs is killing it this year. I mean, he just looks so good. He look, looks like him and Allen really have a connection. Um, jo, uh, John Brown is, I think, uh, not going to play in this game, um, or at least he's looking iffy now. But uh, they do have Cole Beasley, obviously, who had a nice game last week, too. And and the, even the rookie, Gabriel Davis, really looked good, too, uh, so far this year. So so I'm just going to dip my toe in and say Buffalo is the better team. So let's take them minus one and a half or minus two in the first half and not have to worry about any kind of second half shenanigans or, you know, if they're up big and, you know, Vegas starts throwing the ball and they just end up coming back. Uh, we don't have to worry about that. So that's all. So we'll take Buffalo minus one and a half uh, in the first half. Uh, against the Raiders. Which leads really into my third best bet, which is Perfect. Buffalo minus three versus the Raiders. Um, so you're taking them for the game minus three. Yeah. Buffalo's Perfect. good. Yep. Um, and I'm trying to think about how to word this. Josh Allen is playing extremely good. Yeah. Now, I say that, and I'm not shitting on Josh Allen. The odds of him staying at this pace are almost impossible. I, If he stays on this record pace, I mean, then we're talking a completely different ballgame. Everything change. Sure. Everything changes. But right now, Sean McDermott is holding Josh Allen's hand through this process, which is exactly what you want. I'm not saying that as like Josh Allen's not good enough to be a quarterback. I was telling John last night, like until a quarterback has four or five years in the league, like you want to be holding your quarterback's hand. You don't want them to go out there and have to win a game. And like, if, if you're LaFleur, you can go up to Aaron Rodgers and you can say, Hey, well, this is what we need. He's obviously going to be calling plays and stuff, but I would say the odds that Rodgers isn't changing, not every play, but changing a lot of plays and critical yeah. drives with, like, just, and LaFleur's not mad at him. Like, Rodgers has more experience in these things than his own coach does. Like, Josh Allen needs needs to be held through this process, and they're, the Bills are just doing a phenomenal job. The Bills and the Ravens have just done, just done amazing jobs at, building these young quarterbacks up obviously the chiefs too like this is exactly how you get franchise quarterbacks you're, you're not born into being a franchise quarterback just like drafted okay franchise quarterback we've seen some of the most talented quarterbacks co from college come into the nfl and suck because mm -hmm. their teams fail to help them so i would say this is a combination of josh allen obviously being a freak athlete like he's not sneaky athletic like he is a freak athlete one of the most athletic quarterbacks outside of, you know, Cam, Lamar, Russ, like he's, he's one of them. If not the most, you could argue because of his size. Um, he's got crazy arm strength. I would, I would say he doesn't have crazy arm talent. He's, he misses a lot of really bad throws, but he's That's able, fair. he just makes, he makes some really jaw dropping plays, both good and bad. Last, the last drive against the Rams last week, that you cannot get away with that in the NFL. That won't happen every week. He looked like 
who was it? Chris Long said he looked like he was being stung by bees out there running around. Like <laughs> you can't run 20 yards backwards. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> pulling people around by their face masks. Like they're your dog at a, a, the dog park barking at something else. Like, I don't know what he was thinking. It worked though. So bottom of the line is I could shit on Josh Allen if I wanted to, but I can't really, he just needs to clean up some of the mistakes, but he's, how old is he? he? Probably came in the league at 22. I'm assuming he had four years at Wyoming. I don't know off the top of my head, but so he's probably 24, 25. Um, so he's getting, you know, he's one or two years away before those mistakes like just can't happen. But right now he's young. It's his third mm-hmm. year in the NFL. He can make these mistakes. I'm just saying to become what people are already praising Josh Allen as, you need a bigger sample size. Um, but my lord, he's been fantastic. The Raiders are terrible. Mm-hmm. They're much worse defense than the Rams are, and he lit up the Rams. Um, I think this one comes down to if they get up like they have the past two games, McDermott can't change the game. You keep playing how you played to get up. I'm tired of it. If you get up two, three touchdowns from throwing the ball and you're in the third or fourth quarter, you don't have to run on first and second down. You can still throw the ball. That's what the Seahawks do. They know they don't have a running game, so they let Russell throw it until the fourth quarter, and he ends up with five touchdowns. Like, obviously, they've been in—you know—especially last week, they had to throw the ball because of the shootout. But like, if you get up from throwing the ball, you don't have to—you do not have to divert from that. Especially with Zach Moss and Devin Singletary as your running attack right now. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen, tell him get the ball in bounds. If not, run. Get two or three yards. Josh Allen runs pretty stupid he he will take the hit like he'll run the ball he loves getting hit for some damn reason even though he has a metal shoulder already. but i i could see josh allen going off for four or five touchdowns against this raider defense they're really bad um yep this whole segment had turned into me talking about the good and bad of josh allen here's the good of this game it's a big josh it, allen though. is good this year mm-hmm. the bills defense i the second Half struggles aside, the Bills' defense is a very good. They're they're assembled very well. Mm-hmm. Very good team. Um, Bills' offensive line doing like this. The coaching staff, the the Bills are the better coaching staff. So three points is I like it. I know it's on the road, but there's not the the fans don't really take it factor. And what did we learn? Home and away yeah. doesn't really matter. Home the spread, cares. it's like. I'm gone. pretty sure, yeah, it's absolutely gone. You guys know the stat. Even when I forget it on Twitter, though, I have to tag John and say, help me, I'm in a fight with someone. <laughs> I need the stat. But um, Josh Allen's playing well. 10 to 1 touchdown interception ratio is insane. And at this pace, he could ha- I mean, at this pace, you're looking at like a 40 to 5 touchdown interception ratio, which is freaking bananas. So you can't yep. downplay that. He's been great. There's no reason to bet against him right now. Right. Agreed. Um, yeah, it's a good call. And I, Sean McDermott really needs to, you know, he should get a lot of credit for doing what he's doing because they're just Lots. being really smart. And Brian Brian Dayball, correct? That's the uh, the yeah. offense coordinator. Yeah. They they just need they need to be given a lot of credit for bringing Allen along um, the way they are and just really, you know, structuring their offense around a young quarterback and making it, you know, easier for him, helping him to limit mistakes. Like they're just, they've just done a great job with that. So yeah. Uh, the Raiders defense, they don't generate any pass rush. I mean, they're just, you know, they're not good. So I don't, I don't think the 
Bills are going to have any problem in this game at all. Um, the stat that Chandler alluded to, we covered uh, week one in our best bets uh, DFS pod, but we'll go over it real fast. So uh, home teams uh, uh, against the spread, ATS, have been below 500 in five of the last six seasons and in 13 of the last 16 seasons. So it's just, you know, it's it's been bad. It's been bad. So home field advantage, I mean, there are very few places you know, New England, Kansas City, Seattle historically have been hard to play. But, you know, when those teams are good, that's really what's happening. You know, New England's a good team at home because they're just a good team. It's not necessarily the the, the stadium itself, but, you know, things like that. So, so yeah, home field advantage is kind of going away. Um, so my third best bet, my final best bet for the week is going to be the Colts minus two and a half, uh, minus 110 juice at Chicago. Um, so we've got two and one Indianapolis against three and O Chicago. We talked before about how the Colts, um, or the bears, excuse me, uh, benched Trubisky in the middle of last week. Uh, and then Foles brought them back. Obviously they they ended up beating the Falcons. Um, just remarkable. Um, there can't be too many two and O teams who bench their, uh, quarterback and, and transitioned and then, you know, won a third game. That's just remarkable. But, um, so number of factors in this game for me, why I really like the Colts here. Um, well, first of all, transitioning to Foles is interesting because, um, obviously there was a quarterback competition throughout, you know, the summer, whatever limited training camp they had, um, you know, Foles versus Trubisky and Matt Nagy decided that, you know, Trubisky was the better quarterback. So he won that competition. Okay. Now, two weeks in, he's saying, I'm going to go to the other guy. The guy who couldn't beat out Mitch Trubisky in the summer is now suddenly the better quarterback. Okay. Maybe, maybe Nick Foles was, you know, had trouble learning the playbook or he was just, you know, had uh, a poor summer or whatever the case is. Maybe there's a reason for it. But the bottom line is, when they were competing, Trubisky, you know, won that competition, and now we're going to the backup quarterback, and we think that's an improvement. Like I, I don't, I don't think so. I, I don't think that's the way that works. So, um, Foles played a, an okay game versus Atlanta's defense, but he should have had two interceptions. There was one throw where three Atlanta guys, like a, like a Three Stooges skit, like ran into each other and they all just like fall down like bowling pins. It was hysterical. Like they should have picked that ball off for sure. Um, he did throw the one interception. As soon as he came in, he whipped it into the end zone. And uh, uh, the Atlanta, uh, I, th- I can't remember who it was, but basically pulled the ball away, wrestled the ball away from, uh, was it probably Robinson or Anthony Miller? I can't remember. But so, you know, had one pick, should have had three. Um, so, but for, it's really where, it's the Colts that I'm really excited about here because they're two and one. They did lose to Jacksonville. Obviously, that was surprising. But they outgained Jacksonville in that game by over 200 yards, and they didn't punt in that game. Now, I there can't be many games in NFL history where you outgain your opponent by 200 yards, and you don't punt, and you lose. So that's crazy. Um, the next two games, you know, they beat up on some bad teams, obviously, um, in the uh, Titans. And who else did the Colts play? Minnesota, Minnesota last week. Um, look, I, I, I get it. You, they haven't played anyone, or at least they played some bad teams, okay? But they pounded those teams, right? They did what mm-hmm. they should do. Like, good teams should beat bad teams, and they're a good team, and they beat bad teams. So at least, at the very least, we can definitely say that. 
The Colts are averaging 158.7 more yards from scrimmage than their opponents this year. Now, that's number one in the NFL. So they're outgaining their opponents by 160 yards um, in each game. So the Colts are also the number one team, according to Football Outsiders and DVOA. So, uh, like, they're, everything is just pointing to, you know, the Colts here in this one. Um, the Bears defense has given up the third most explosive plays in the NFL. So a defense that we typically think of as, oh, it's the Bears. You know, they're a good defense, real solid but they just haven't been so far this year. They're giving up really big plays. So I think, you know, we're going to see a lot from Jonathan Taylor this week. Um, there's some uh, Colts questions about the Colts receivers. Obviously, they lost Michael Pittman last week and then Paris Campbell the week before. So Zach Pascal is probably going to play a lot more. Obviously, T.Y. Hilton is still there. Um, Mo Ali Cox, I'm sure we'll get more run. Maybe some maybe some Jack Doyle as well uh, out of the tight end position. But yeah, I just don't. I don't know how you back the Bears here. I, I don't get it. Um, and the final thing I'll say is that it, the coaching matchup, Frank Reich versus uh, Matt Nagy, is it, is a blowout. It's not even close. Frank Reich is w- a way, way better coach, way smarter. So um, Rivers doesn't make the interception, throw the interception on the final drive against Jacksonville, and maybe they win that game. And now it's 3-0 and versus 3-0, and and – Maybe we feel a little different, but we're getting, you know, we're laying under a field goal here uh, on the road, which whatever, we know that doesn't mean anything against Nick Foles. I I just, I love it. I love the Colts in this situation. So, um, you know, DVOA, outgaining their opponents, everything points to them being a powerful offense. Uh, They have a good, good enough defense to stop Nick Foles uh, and the Bears are on both sides of the ball. So, yeah, I'm going to take the Colts minus two and a half in this one for sure. Yep. I don't know how I feel about that game. Um, okay. I no, I don't. I don't disagree with yours. I just those are two teams that I just terrified to deal with right now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't blame you. I mean, I hear you. Like I, I again, I was you know until I dug into this and found out you know the DVOA stat and the outgaining their opponents. Uh, that was from Sharp Football, by the way. I don't think I mentioned that, but. Um, yeah, just stuff like that. It was like, wow. So this is okay. The I thought the Colts would be a good team, and so far, you know, one weird loss to Jacksonville. But yep, like this, these numbers are are bearing out. It's proving to me that you know they're uh, they're much better. Like they're two and one, obviously, but they should be three and zero, oh, and they're they're playing much better than uh, their record or uh, our eye test would indicate, basically. So I really like them. All right. So, uh, just summing up. So your best bets, you've got Washington, I'm sorry, Baltimore minus 13 and a half against Washington. Uh, you have the Cardinals minus three, uh, at Carolina. And then you also have, remind me of your last play. Sorry. I forgot it. Oh, the bills, bills. minus three in the game. Yeah. Versus the Raiders. Dumbass. Yep. I know. Um, and <laughs> dumbass. Uh, I have Detroit plus four and a half uh, versus New Orleans. The Colts minus two and a half at Chicago and Buffalo minus one and a half in the first half against the Raiders. So, um, OK, so those are best bets. Uh, we'll get to our DFS lineup in just a second. But uh, like always, uh, I've got one non football related question for you here, Chandler. Uh, so we'll try to, uh, dive into, um, you know, get to know you outside of football a little bit more. So, um, it's a bad idea. Yeah. I don't know. Your fiance doesn't seem to think so. So, you know, Mm. but, uh, she's, Mm. so she's the one. Um, so what is 
Tell me one movie that you kind of were, I guess we'll say forced to watch or something that you didn't want to watch that somebody made you or you finally ended up watching it and you were like blown away. Like, I can't believe I didn't see this like right when it came out. This is such an awesome movie. I I can't believe I was, you know, ever, you know, not wanting to really watch it. So you got one movie uh, that comes to mind? The Patriot. The um, Mel Gibson. My Dad made me watch it when I was like 14 or something, so obviously okay. I didn't want to watch it. Um, then as soon as I watched it, uh, I loved it. And the scene where um, they're they're taking the uh, wagons through the woods, forest. I don't. It would be a woods. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mel Gibson is up in the trees, um, hunting them out. And the scene where he, and he's running back and forth between trees, shooting to make him feel like there's way more soldiers there than they are. I thought that was the most badass thing ever. I'm like standing up like, yeah, yeah. Like just loving that these people were getting killed, which is super weird. But <laughs> yeah, I love that movie a lot. And wow. I would say Braveheart, but I wanted to watch Braveheart. But both those movies are just right. freaking classics. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. That's a good example. Um, yeah. And actually, the uh, that is uh, the tactic used in that movie is a real tactic used by uh, one of the generals in the Civil War for the South, actually. I can't remember who it was, but um, but they actually kept running people from like uh, one side of the forest to the other, like in small groups to make the opposing general think that they, oh my gosh, we're really outnumbered here. They have a ton of, you know, really it was a small group of people doing the movement, but it really fooled them. So, so that's pretty cool that they copied that, you know, or used that in the movie, the Patriot. Yeah. Um, so, uh, my movie would be uh, warrior. Um, this is a like 2011, 12 movie, something around there. Um, this is, uh, Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton and Nick, uh, Nolte are, uh, the main, you know, stars in this movie. Um, so every year when the Oscar nominations come out, the Academy Award nominations, um, I try to see as many of the movies that are nominated for the larger, you know, the bigger awards, um, you know, best picture, obviously, director, actor, actress, um, you know, the screenplay, uh, original and adapted screenplay awards. Um, I try to see those movies. So make sure that I'm, you know, I love watching the Oscars. So I want to know, you know, what am I when the awards get handed out like did, did i see all the movies how can i you know let, yeah. uh, like enjoy the fact that this movie won versus that movie or you know um and then it just kind of exposes you to different stuff which is nice like i see a lot of movies that i wouldn't see otherwise and i end up really liking them um so nick nolte was nominated for best supporting actor for this movie and this is like one of the worst trailers all time i remember seeing the trailer and i'm like this this stupid MMA movie, like this looks like, you know, like Rocky seven, like it could be just you know, some <laughs> dumb. I'm like, this is terrible. And then the Academy Award nominations come out. Nick Nolte's on there for that movie. And I'm like, how could he get nominated for that stupid fighting? I'm like this. There's no way this is good. Right. I was blown away. I could not believe how good that movie was. Tom Hardy is excellent as always. Uh, Joel Edgerton was fantastic. They're brothers who are were raised apart. They don't live together. They haven't talked in a long time. Nick Nolte is their father. He used to be an alcoholic, but now he's you know recovered. He's trying to get back in their lives. They both are former like MMA fighters. Um, 
there's this Grand Prix tournament that's going to be a winner-take-all event. They both, you know, they're trying to get into it. Um, it it's incredible. I'm not going to say anything more, it, but it blew me away. I was shocked at how good this movie was. So, uh, and Nolte deserved every bit of that nomination because there is one scene in that movie where you talk about acting your balls off. I mean, this dude, like, it it's just, like, makes you, like, want to, like, cry. Like, I mean, it was so, so good. So good. So highly, highly, highly recommend. Um, and just the, the MMA scenes are really good. Like, the fighting stuff is good. Um, but the, there's a lot of substance to the movie, too. I was blown away by it. So, so yeah, I'd say The Warrior. That was pretty cool. I definitely didn't want to watch it. But when I did, I was just, you know, blown away by it. So very cool. Um, okay, cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. The Patriot. Uh, it's, that's a That's a solid answer. So. Um, Love it. Okay, let's. Uh, you gave we'll a way into... better one, a very lesser known movie, but I yeah, still win. Well, but the Patriot is uh, like, <laughs> I still win. So yeah, you did go. Uh, you did go one and two in your best bets, and I beat you in oh. fantasy the week before. So I, I Who's would. Ahead? I would Who's ahead? Shatter down. So by one. Who's game, ahead? By one game. Okay. Yep. Oh, for sure. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see at the end of the year. So we'll see who's buying who dinner. That's for sure. So, um, and because I won the best bets contest last week, I get to use our one F bomb in this uh, podcast. So, uh, I will, I'm going to save that up for a, a moment here when we go over our lineup. Um, but yeah, so DFS lineup for the week. So, uh, we are, this is on FanDuel. We're using the, um, Sunday games, the one o'clock and four o'clock games. So we're not using Sunday night or Monday night. Um, and this is the traditional game on FanDuel where you, you know, build a uh, an entire lineup. So it's a quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, tight end, flex, uh, and a defense. Um, so that's what we built. So um, this might be a little chalky, but it doesn't matter. We are attacking the Seattle-Miami game. So this game is in Miami. Uh, we are attacking the Seahawks and the Dolphins to, to some extent. Um, I originally, we originally put together a lineup that had Fitzpatrick in a quarterback, but there are so many cheap wide receiver plays this week that we ended up pivoting to Russell Wilson. So he is the most expensive quarterback. I think no Lamar is 9,600 and Russell Wilson is 9,000, but there's no way he doesn't pay this off. Like he's just been fantastic this year. Fantastic. Um, one of the things that pushed us over the edge, this was really cool when uh, you know we discovered this, Seattle's defense uh, is really, really bad. Um, they have allowed 76 receptions, uh, 1136 yards to wide receivers, okay? The second the the second uh, most, uh, like the <clears throat> sorry, I'm not saying this correctly. The defense that has given up the second most, has given up 49 receptions and 736 yards. So it's like 35 more receptions and 400 more yards Seattle's given up on the year. So they are really bad. They've also given up uh, in three weeks, they've had 10 wide receivers or pass catchers, tight ends included, uh, score 20 points or more uh, in fantasy against them. So 10 times in only three weeks. I mean, this is just... So that's going to help, obviously, Russell Wilson, because if they're giving up a ton of, uh, you know, yardage and, and receptions on defense, then, you know, Wilson's going to see more possessions. So we're definitely going to go, you know, with Russell Wilson for 9,000. Um, we are stacking him with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. 
Uh, we did this last week, and they absolutely crushed. We're going to do it again. Until FanDuel catches up, I mean, Metcalf is only 6,900, which is hilarious. Um, and then Tyler Lockett's 7,500. So, I mean, they're, they're just so easy, such easy plays. It allows us to spend up at running back, which is another great thing. Um, and then our third receiver is going to be Isaiah Ford uh, for the Dolphins. So he's only 4,600. Um, so uh, the Devontae Parker could be a play here. Preston Williams could be a play here. But Ford's only 4,600. He's so cheap. And again, uh, the the Seattle defense is just a sieve. I mean, they're really, you know, they're, they've been really bad. And that should definitely continue here. Um, we were talking before this about possibly switching Ford out for Justin Watson, who is also 4,600 uh, playing for Tampa Bay. Um, so the Buccaneers are going to be without Chris Godwin this week. Uh, Watson plays primarily out of the slot. So he's going to take over for Godwin. Basically um, Mike Evans will still play. It looks like Scotty Miller was banged up and he may play. I'm not sure if he plays, he might be limited. So you're going to see a lot of Justin Watson coming out of the slot and the chargers, while they have a good secondary, they have been kind of leaky versus slot wide receivers. So if, um, if you wanted to switch out Ford for Watson, that would make a ton of sense. Uh, like I said, they're both 4,600. So, you know, um, at running back, we went with Alvin Kamara at 8,800 versus the Saints. I'm sorry, versus the Lions. And then James Robinson, my boy James Robinson for the uh, the Jaguars, uh, is only 6,600, and they get Cincinnati this week. Uh, Cincinnati, obviously, we've seen has had issues uh, stopping the run all year so. That's a good play. Robinson is basically getting all the volume in Jacksonville's defense. Like, I'm sorry, offense. Um, like, it's just him. So, you know, volume's not a problem. He's playing a really bad defense. You know, this is an easy play. Um, Kamara, similarly, without Thomas, Thomas looks like he's not going to play this week. And if that's the case, then you get a Detroit defense that hasn't been very good versus the run. And he's going to see a ton of targets um, because, as we talked about before, Breeze just isn't throwing the ball down the field. Um, they're throwing it short, getting it to him a lot. So Kamara makes a ton of sense here, uh, even at 8,800. Um, for our tight end, we've got Darren Waller uh, for the Raiders uh, playing against Buffalo. Waller is 6,700. Um, both Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards are out this week. So uh, that is, I mean, Waller's going to see a ton of targets. Hunter, Hunter Renfro would also be a really good play. I think he's like 5,300. Uh, the two of them should see just a ton of targets this week because they're going to have to throw. We, we think they're going to be behind. You know, we both like the Bills in this game. And there just isn't anybody else to throw to. Waller's already seen a pretty high uh, target share. Uh, heading into last week, he was one of three tight ends. It was Logan Thomas, Hunter Henry, and him that had seen over a 20% target share. So, you know, we expect that to continue for sure, especially with Ruggs and Edwards both out. Um, we went with David Johnson in the flex. And this is a pretty interesting kind of pivot. I don't think he's going to be very highly owned, but he should be because they're taking on Minnesota. Minnesota's been very bad against the run, first of all. Uh, second of all, there are, let me make sure I get this right. There are two running backs in the NFL uh, heading into week four that have uh, an 85% rushing share in their own backfield and a 12% target share or more in their own, you know, among their own running backs. And it's Ezekiel Elliott and David Johnson. Um, so 
volume isn't going to be a problem. Johnson, they haven't been very successful because of their schedule. It's been brutal. They opened up with Baltimore, Kansas City, and then Pittsburgh. So you finally get a team, a game they they should uh, they can win for sure, uh, a game in which the the game script is going to be in their favor. So you're going to see a ton of you know David Johnson uh, volume. We know it's not going to be a problem, and he's in a good spot. So for 6,700, this feels like a really really good play. And hopefully he won't be that highly owned. So this would be a nice, you know, nice little pivot. And then just grabbing cheap defenses, like you talked about last week, Chandler, such a good strategy to save money. We're going with the Lions at 3,200 against the Saints. Um, if Thomas, well, Thomas is most likely out. And if Breeze is going to continue throwing short, if Detroit knows that, I, I just feel like there could be like a chance for, you know, maybe they get like a a a, a, a pick six here on a play where. You know, Breeze is just trying to throw a quick out, you know, a quick five, six, seven yard out. And Detroit's like, you know, I know that he's not going to throw the ball down the field. And if you can jump one, you know, maybe we get like a cheap touchdown that way. So, again, just trying to save money here against a an offense that's been struggling recently. So uh, going with the Lions at thirty two hundred uh, against the Saints. So uh, any thoughts about any of that stuff, Chandler? What do you think? I really like shout out to Nathan for um I like the the just yeah. a cheap defense. It's so impossible to predict who's going to really I mean, it, when it is possible to predict who's going to do well for you on defense, you are paying 5 grand for them. Like you're right. paying the max. Um so no, uh, I think the Seahawks um Seahawks Dolphins, Cowboys, Browns are the two stacks you want to look at this week. Uh, I would even Falcons, Packers. It's a good stack. If Devontae Adams is back and you feel comfortable spending money at wide receiver, then maybe you do Ridley and Rodgers and Adams. Just kind of stack that game up because Ridley's really just been mind-blowingly good this year. I yeah, mean, he's really good. proven himself. To, he's a wide receiver. He's a wide receiver one. I mean, he's. It's just he's been Scoring overshadowed like by um, Julio, but I mean this is obviously who they thought they were drafting when he came out, and he's just been he's just performed his entire career. So, yep. um, very good call. Yeah, I don't know. Having Julio with him has definitely helped him, but he's it's been good. So I would. It's hard to stack the Browns because um, their running game is so electric, but um, if there were a week that Baker and OBJ and the rest of this Browns th- passing game is going to go off. I'd say this will be the week. Uh, Cowboys might be the one of the worst passing defenses in the NFL. And uh, to uh, you bring up an excellent point here. I uh, uncovered this too about uh, Beckham. So let me make sure I've got this correct. So there are what four receivers in the NFL. Wait, where did I put this? Dang it. I lost it now. Sorry. I got, I got way too many notes going on over here. Um, anyways, there are four, let's see if I can remember it and I'll try to find it, but there are four receivers in the NFL that have a, a 20% target share or more on their own team. And it's, um, Allen Robinson, uh, new Hopkins, Deandre Hopkins Beckham was surprisingly on that list. And was I Michael didn't realize Thomas, the that. other one. I know I don't think so because he only played in one game. So, um, but yeah, I'll have to find Adams. This. Again, I don't think it was him because of the games. So, but oh, uh, come on, damn it, because he missed. So, 
Um, but I was surprised because, you know, the prob- the problem has been targets. Like, they just haven't been getting him the ball. And so it was like, whoa, wait a second. He's on the – oh, here it is. Four players with a 25% or more target share this year among their own team, obviously. Hopkins, Allen Robinson, Keenan Allen, and then uh, Odell Beckham. So, yeah, I mean, Her- Herbert really loves Allen. He's- he threw him a lot. We saw that last week. So, but um, but yeah. So good call. If you were going to pick, uh, you know, a contrarian play this week could definitely be Beckham because he's he's getting he's cheap. cheaper and because he, he, he hasn't 6, played. He was sixty eight hundred last week. So I think he's I think he's sixty five. I thought I saw him at because I was trying to no sixty six. So yeah, he's even cheaper than last week. So um, and the back he's questionable with a back injury, but I he's I guess he's good to go. Yeah. He said he's fine. So and I don't know if you're talking to someone who says OBJ is not a good wide receiver, then you're talking to someone who doesn't understand or watch football and they're getting their news from some outside source that doesn't watch i mean just there are very few quarterbacks running backs in the end having another stroke john there are very few wide receivers tight ends offensive linemen i'm getting there there are very few wide receivers in the nfl that can break off of um the just the game script um, Keenan Allen and OBJ are definitely at the top two at it. If you ask any, you listen to any current or former player talk or, um, you know, head guys in organizations talk, they all talk about OBJ and Keenan Allen's ability to just break people down at the line of scrimmage or, you know, OBJ is known as having the best double move in possibly NFL history. A lot of, a lot of former yeah. defensive backs will say he has the best double move in history and i mean when you think of obj if you don't think of the one-handed catch you think of him cutting towards the middle of the field and doing that big body dip he does and he swings his arm down and he gets up the field on the double cut and it's just he is a fantastic wide receiver but this is a very run oriented offense man here's the thing i truly think odell jr Odell Beckham Jr. just is ready to freaking win for once in his life. The way he said, I want to win and I want to get Nick Chubb the rushing title was genuine. It's absolutely genuine. And I kind of rewatched some of the game from last mm-hmm. week. And I'm only saying this because I know we have a large fan, Browns following base. Of course. On Nick Chubb's touchdown run where he got hit probably eight yards out and just, just, Awesome just, run. I, I don't know how to explain him anymore. Uh-huh. There's a guy that's blocking and lays his body out on the line, dives to make a final block, and it just so happens to be Jarvis Landry. Like, the wide receivers don't do that. Um, Austin Bryant. Uh, Harrison Bryant <laughs> scores his first NFL touchdown. When OBJ probably, probably could Baker probably could have thrown to Odell. Like a lot of young quarterbacks will be like, eh, he's covered, but it's the back of the end zone. Like, give my guy a shot. Mm-hmm. But he saw Harrison Bryant. He's like, he's wide open. Let's get him the ball. OBJ didn't even like hesitate. He was jumping on Harrison Bryant. Like, I, so yep. I'm just tired of the narrative that this is a diva driven team with lots of personalities. Like, Jarvis and OBJ were running off the field happy and. Baker comes up and says, love you, boys. I'll get you. Like, just stay patient. Be patient, yep. I don't think they really care about the stats anymore. And the reason I think that is because they've both both proven that they're both going 
if they don't both go to the Hall of Fame, they're both in the Hall of Fame for things they've done. Like Jarvis Jersey will be in there for most receptions through five years or whatever, whatever his stat is. I can't think off the top of my head. And, you know, OBJ will go down as the best catch in history. Like these things, they already have like made their claim. Um, the next thing they got to do is win. They've gotten the stats. They won't be, I'm not saying they're first ball Hall of Famers. I would argue that neither of them will make it into the Hall of Fame for being a player. But they both have gotcha. things that will get them, like, because Jarvis's jersey's already in there. That's that's done. That's in there. And then OBJ, obviously, he you won't mean, like, be in, the in Canton. Book, or? No, like, Baker's jersey's in Canton, too, for rookie pass, passing touchdown record. Like, oh, Jarvis's, okay. Okay. Jarvis's jersey is in okay. there because he has the most receptions through five years. Like, right. Their jerseys get put in there for what? I don't know how big yeah. this building is, but my God, jerseys get thrown in there for freaking everything. It's awesome. Um, it's only an hour down the road, man. It's I highly, you know, when they open, yeah. obviously after COVID and everything, I highly recommend. Yeah. So it's very cool. Yeah, and uh, yeah. obviously, yeah, okay, good call. My bad. there's a good there's a good chance OBJ doesn't have anything in there jersey wise, but you know through the 2010 to 2015, he was the most electric wide receiver in the NFL. Um, had the best catch in NFL history. And had, to be yep. honest, I love Baker, but he's just been plagued by bad quarterback play his entire career. Yep. Um, so he knows he's good. Anyone who understands football knows Odell Beckham Jr. is one of the best wide receivers from the 2010 era. Um, yep. So I think he just wants to win now. Like he knows what he's, he knows what he can do. He just wants to win. Yep. I, that's what it seems to me. Yeah. Um, well, winning cures all that stuff, right? If you're not getting the ball and stats are down, and but you're winning, like that, you know, that's going to fix a lot of problems. So that's a good point. Like if they continue to win, that's really going to help smooth things out. Uh, even if he is a little annoyed because he's not, you know, he's not seeing 160 targets like you know he did in in New York. So yeah, but, and uh, he is like it does suck because he is really talented, and obviously he well, gets shit on because he's not having 10 catches a game for 180 yards and two touchdowns. Like right. But they need, you know, like coaching wise, Baker, wise, like they just need, to, you know, you need to find a way to get him the ball, like because he does do special things like to your point, yeah. you know, he does amazing things. And so if we can figure out a way to consistently it's get him involved, with the ball in his hands, right. You know, I think like the best way to say it is the fact that like, so he had a target, uh, they threw to him in the first quarter last week against Washington and the TV announcers said, this is the first target in the first quarter this season for yeah. Odell Beckham. And it's like. Yeah. Okay, that that can't happen. Like that's you, yeah. He's how open it take a lot. Three weeks to get him, him the ball in the first quarter. So yeah, people like game a plan. lot of times will argue that Baker's feeding it to Odell and forcing it. I would argue he's not throwing it to him when he's open. Like Odell Beckham Jr. is open a lot of the time. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's on Baker. I mean sometimes it, you know he's hit Baker's third read and Baker's young. Right. Getting to a third read is very him. hard in the NFL. Um, yep. then he does need to get better at that. Right. I, absolutely. He's bad at it right now, but, um, sure. I can't get over the fact that you thought that I was saying that Jarvis and Odell Beckham Jr. were hall of fame wide receivers. Oh, your no. face was hysterical. Well, I just, like, <laughs> uh, we might be crowning him a little too early. Like, let's put a career together before, Whoa. you know, we get through, you know, I'm not, Beckham's I'm not writing injured. them off either. I mean, no, just cause seeing not. how long Larry has played, uh, they definitely play a different play style than Larry, but, um, People that watch have watched those two understand that they are very have always been very selfless players. Yeah. Blocking down the field when if I were Odell Beckham Jr., I'm gonna be honest, I wouldn't be blocking down the field. Like mm -hmm. pay me. 
My my contract's not near what it should be compared to the league. Like his contract's going down every year, which is phenomenal. But yeah, yep. Olivier Vernon's making more than me. I'm a little pissed off if I'm one of the best receivers in the NFL. But, but I'm selfish. Uh, so. To your point, you know, and like you said, the the start of this was, you know, he's he's cheap this week, sixty six hundred. You know, they have yeah, a great matchup a versus topic. a really banged up Cowboys. You know, but you're right. I mean, that's a good. You know, these are plenty of reasons why you know you could squeeze him in. So definitely another play for sure. Um, but yeah. So any other even thoughts Jarvis? On? Jarvis hasn't got a touchdown yet. So yeah, it just feels like Baker wants to get him one. It really so, feels. Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't be sh- uh, shocking at all. So. Um, uh, any other DFS thoughts for you this week? Nope. I would, if Adams is healthy, I would never fade away from telling someone to play Rogers and Adams, especially in cash games. Yeah. If you're um, doing a Monday night, if you're going to do a lineup that involves a Monday night game, for sure. Uh, you, in fact, you could just use every player from that game. You could just use, if, you know, Julio, Matt Ryan, it's Ridley, like you said earlier. And then like the, also stack. like. No, I, we have not done it once. Aaron Jones. Like yep. you will not go wrong playing Aaron Jones this week. Yep. As if Adams is out, play Aaron Jones. In fact, that's how I'll word it. If Adams doesn't play Aaron Jones, um, we'll see. And we'll see this week. If Aaron if Adams is out, the Packers can the Falcons can stack that box because you're gonna make Valdez Scantling beat you. You're not gonna let Aaron Jones get a hundred some 150 rushing yards on you. So we'll see what Aaron Jones true. is really made of this week on a, a true running defense set of coming. Cause when Adams and um, when Adams is playing, you can't stack the box. Yep. So oh, good point. Very good point. Yeah. Alrighty. That wraps up the week four best bets and uh, DFS uh, show. So uh, thanks uh, everybody who uh, watches. If you're new, thank you for checking it out. We appreciate it. Uh, make sure you're subscribing to the podcast. Uh, you can search across the board uh, on, you know, Stitcher or Google Podcasts or iTunes, wherever you get them. Um, if you could leave a rating and a review on iTunes, that really, really helps us out. Uh, you know, whatever, even if it's a crappy rating, you know, we'd love to hear, you know, feedback and, you know, constructive criticism. So uh, we always appreciate that. Uh, and if it's a really positive rating, well, thank you. We definitely appreciate that as well. So. Um, and then subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Uh, and make sure you're hitting the bell for notifications, uh, like the video, you know, do all the YouTube stuff. Uh, we really appreciate that. And, and it definitely helps us out a whole hell of a lot. Um, yeah. So uh, with that in mind, oh, and then one last thing. So I was, uh, last night, I, I was a guest on the Across the Cowboys podcast, um, which is uh, run by uh, Paul and Mike, who are, are uh, they're in the uh, Across the Board family, obviously. Uh, they do their Cowboys podcast every week and they were looking to have somebody, you know, a Browns fan on, um, to kind of talk about the upcoming game this weekend. Uh, that was a blast. Had a lot of fun, um, kind of dug into some of the Cleveland sports history as well. Um, so going back to, uh, actually the reason why I, my Twitter handle is Cleveland spider. Um, you can find out, uh, in that podcast that we talk about the, the original Cleveland spiders baseball team, um, the uh, the Cavs, LeBron, the Indians in the 90s when they were amazing, you know, the Browns in the 80s and stuff. So a lot of Cleveland sports history there. So if you're a Browns fan, you're definitely going to love it for sure. Uh, and then covering the game as well, talking about the, you know, the Browns Cowboys this weekend and what we can expect to see and where, you know, each team kind of has some advantages and disadvantages. So uh, that was a lot of fun. So definitely check that out. You can search for Across the Cowboys 
Um, it'll be the latest episode. So, uh, and then I'll tweet that out as well, and you know, Facebook and all that kind of stuff. So if you if you find me on there, uh, you'll be able to find uh, this show and that show as well. So, um, okay, for Chandler and for myself, uh, again, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, good luck this week with your bets and uh, your DFS plays, fantasy football. And if you have any questions about any of this stuff, feel free to hit us up on Twitter. We're always willing to, uh, you know, give you some advice or chat with you or, you know, whatever it is, answer your questions about football. So, um, as always, go Browns. And uh, thanks, everybody. Good luck this week.